Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts. And today you are going to hear all from Logan Clements, the other co-host of the podcast. And she is going to share a series of videos that she posted on YouTube. And they cover topics that pertain to small business owners. There are things from why we should do things that scare us to automations, to why you should plan a solo retreat day. So whether you're a business owner or you're just looking for advice in your career, these are some nuggets that can help you save time and build your career. So here we go. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts with the Better Events Podcast. And this week's episode is all about uh, small business tips and tricks and things that I've learned along the way. The format for this episode is a little bit kind of like office hours or coffee chats with a friend. It's made up of a series of videos that I've posted on my YouTube account that are all pertaining to small business owners and or anyone who considers themselves to be the CEO of their own career, their career path, their trajectory, wherever you want to go. I kind of hesitate now, actually, now that I say that it's for small business owners, because I really do believe it's for anybody who is just wanting to take control and take charge of their career and where they're going. And so I'll first start out by talking about a couple lessons that I learned from doing a project that scared me. I feel like we don't often talk about fear. I feel like we don't often talk about fear, just in general, in life, in conversations with your colleagues or your friends. Maybe you talk about it with your close family members and your closest friends, but it's something that I think is really important to talk about. And so I first am going to start you guys off with a little bit about uh, lessons that I learned from doing a project that scared me. Maybe it was because I just came off two days ago um, producing the Washington State Small Business Fair. So I was listening to many speakers give advice to business owners and business owners sharing their own personal stories. Um, But I actually got this inspiration for this topic from my daily journal. I've been trying to journal more. I have a mentor who has taught me that it's important to kind of take time to reflect and think back and get centered as a business owner. I think we spend a lot of time doing our business and not enough spending time either on our business or on ourselves. It's something that I actually write in a journal what I try to do daily. It doesn't happen daily. One of the things I write in there is that I thrive in new situations. And some days I feel like I totally own that and I'm like, yeah, I thrive in new situations. And other times I'm like, do I really thrive in new situations? So I wanted to unpack that really quickly this week and why it is important to kind of, even if you don't believe it fully, to just fake it till you make it because as a business owner, you need to be able to thrive in those new situations. So I wanted to unpack this of thriving in new situations, why it's kind of aspirational and why it's important. I don't know about you, but whenever I get handed a project of something New situation, I guess I mean not a new client, maybe a lot of clients have similarities, but I mean like a new project, something you've not done before or you've kind of done but not fully on your own. And I feel like we all go through these steps of just fear and anxiety to maybe some hope. And then what I've realized is in the post event, once I've finished and accomplished that new situation or that new project that I didn't know if I could do it in the beginning, 
I feel a thousand times better than when I do a situation that I've done, an event I've done over and over and over again. So for example, two years ago, I got asked to produce a project and lead a very large production that I'd never done before. I'd led smaller events, I'd been a part of big productions, but I'd never been the person in charge. And man, if you could have seen me or been in my head in the weeks leading up to that project, my stomach was turning. I was so nervous. I don't know about you guys if you ever struggle with imposter syndrome, but I just definitely felt like one day my client was going to wake up and say, whole wait, why did we hire Logan? Like she has no idea what she's doing. But because I was so anxious, I was like over preparing. I tried to read all of the things I could about this project, making sure I knew the ins and outs and everything. And then when I was on site, I'd say my first day I was super nervous, but by day two, I was having so much fun because both the project itself was really fun, but I was also like impressing myself, if that makes sense, and proving to myself that I could do something that I didn't think I could do. And the funny part is by the time I got to the end of the project and I got home, I was like, oh, of course I could have done that. I, do you want me to go do that again next week? I got this, no problem. And it was so funny to kind of go back and think through that evolution of my thinking of how I'd gone from being excited when they'd first asked me to do the project and that excitement then turned into fear and then it turned into a little bit of anxiety and then as we got close I was like hopeful just just like hope 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 that the they, since they believe in me and I've done my homework that it's all gonna turn out all right but then the post event the adrenaline rush of being able to sit here with myself and say yeah we just freaking did that <laughs> we did that project was so satisfying and it made me then want to say okay I think that's where that phrase comes in my journal is I want to be that person who always goes after new projects sure it's fun to do some of the same things again and again because you're able to optimize and improve but sometimes the new and scary is actually a, a benefit I don't know I felt some of the payoffs for things that I've done that are new and scary to me have been the biggest payoffs, whether it's just me learning about myself, me getting to meet new people, me getting to new, learn a new skill. And so as a new business owner, I think it can be really challenging to figure out either what your niche is or figure out like where your place is in the business world. So I just wanna encourage you that it's okay to be scared, it's okay to be nervous, but don't be afraid to say yes to something new and scary because just because it's new and scary doesn't mean you can't do it and i think imposter syndrome is something that is really real and you can use friends you can use colleagues you can use mentors to help you work through that process but sometimes it it comes down to you and really just saying yes to something that scares you a little bit and then executing and it doesn't have to be perfect i guess that's the other part of me is i always say i'm type a i have high standards for my events and projects and i want everything to go perfectly but in reality it's not going to go perfect but what i've learned to do is if i feel like we've planned efficiently and we plan the best we can and we've done some scenario planning of what if this happens what if that happens you have the plan in place knowing day of things aren't going to go to go according to plan but because you have that plan and you have the backup plans you know you're going to be able to react in the moment doesn't matter what industry you're in if you're in the event industry the food and beverage the tech the finance hr whatever it is i would just encourage you to don't be afraid to say yes to new projects don't be afraid to try something new because i think we all should aspire to thrive in new situations even though it's a lot easier to write it down than it is to do it. I still stand by everything I said at that time that uh, often I get that feeling post-event and it can be really scary and hard during it, but I always feel so much better once I'm done with those events because I've proven to myself and those around me that I could do something that I didn't know I could do before.
Now, just to shift gears a little bit, this next bit is all about automations that I use as a business owner. And again, you really could apply this even if you work full time for someone else that have saved me time. We talk about this on the podcast a lot, that time is money. And so this is a big thing that not necessarily is trying to make you productive in the sense that you can do more. It just helps you automate things that you might have been doing and forget that they actually add up and take some time. So let's listen in. As a small business owner, I know that time is money sometimes. And so anywhere that I can save some time, get a little more efficient, really has a big impact on my business. And so I'm going to share three automations that I've implemented over the years that have just changed the way that I work and definitely saved me time. Some have to do with your calendar, others with your finances, and a little bit of Zoom because, you know, I can't resist talk not talking about Zoom. But I promise you, they're all things that have been time savers. So with that, uh, let's get into it. So excited. This first one of the automations that has saved me time and just changed the way I do my business is Calendly. Now, Calendly is an automated scheduling tool, and it helps you set up links that you can then sync your availability with your calendars that you're already using, and then you'll have a link that you can send someone for them to schedule time with you. I use this in two different ways. I have it, one, on my current website as a way that you can book 20-minute calls with me. It allows the uh, my user, the guest, to fill out all this information in a form, let me know if they want to do a phone call or a Zoom link, and then also fill in any information. They click, they book, and what it does is it actually makes the calendar invite, sends the calendar invite to both myself and the person who booked the call, and if it was a Zoom call, it automatically creates a Zoom link and integrates it in there. So I literally have to do nothing. It just shows up, I get an email, and it also magically populates on my calendar. The free version lets you make one link, so one amount of time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour that you're available. The paid version, you get some more features and you can create more links. I love doing this so much that I actually pay for it now and I use my second link as something that's more for people that I might already know that allows for a longer length of time, a longer meeting. And I've also utilized it when scheduling speaker tech checks. So when I need a lot of people to schedule time with me, this is a great way. And I was talking with Mary, my co-host, and we were talking about how sometimes it can feel impersonal to get a link to someone's calendar, but my theory is it's all about how you word it. So I often like to, when I use this link, I'll say, hey, here's a link to my calendar so you can grab time that works best with your schedule, or you can select a time that works best with your schedule. So I'm putting it on them that I'm actually helping save them time, which is true. It saves them time, me time, those countless emails back and forth of, oh, are you available this day at this time? Oh no, wait, are you available at this day at this time? And back and forth and back and forth. So definitely check it out, Calendly. My second integration would be you can integrate your Google Calendar with Zoom. So if you were frequently using Zoom for video calls for work, all you need to do is actually connect your two accounts. And I'm going to make a video on this next week. So stay tuned for exactly how to do it. But what it enables you in Google Cal when you're creating a meeting invite, this doesn't mean that your um, guests that you're inviting to your meeting use Google Calendar. It also integrates with Outlook and everything else. But with if you are someone who uses Google Calendar to schedule meetings with folks, this is going to save you time because by integrating your two accounts, it'll actually let you have an option when you're clicking like select save meeting it'll actually have a button next to it's like create a zoom and when you do that it actually creates the zoom link and puts it automatically in the google meeting invite automatically sends that to all your attendees 
and creates that link in your actual Zoom backend. So it's really easy for you to look in there and start the meeting. This has saved me countless copying and pasting of having Zoom and Google Calendar opening and trying to type all the same information. It's all linked, which is really, really great. And my third and final automation that just changed the way I do business is a little bit more personal. Now, as a business owner of a one-woman business, I'm my only full-time employee. I think it's also really important that we take care of ourselves as owners or as employees. And so what I actually automate now is my savings. Now, hear me out, because it's always hard to talk about savings and personal banking and all those things. But what I've done is I've actually set up a weekly withdrawal from my personal checking that goes into a savings account that's at a completely separate bank. Now I use Ally Bank. I'm not saying you have to use Ally Bank. This is just based on my personal experience, but I enjoy it because it is an only online bank. There's no brick and mortar. I didn't get a card associated with the account. So it is purely a savings account, but you can set it up all online. And I actually now have weekly withdrawals that come from my personal account. Now, why is this so satisfying and why did it change? Because I used, I do have a savings account with the same bank as my checking account, but for some reason, whenever I could still see my savings, I, it was very easy for me then to, oh, I'm just going to take a hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there, put them in my checking. So I never really felt like I made progress towards some of my savings goals. Now, I can't take credit for this. I read about it in a book, Profit First, highly recommend it for business owners. But what it does is because it's automated and because it's something I don't really check that often, it's a separate bank. It has just made savings so much easier because I put it at a weekly withdrawal amount that doesn't feel like it's going to, it hurts when it comes out of my account every week, out of a couple, every month or a couple months, I'll remember, oh yeah, my savings that I'm not looking at and I'll log on and I'll check. And it's just so satisfying to see that I'm actually making progress towards some of my larger savings goals in ways that I never could do it when it was in my bank. So I highly encourage you, if you are a business owner, do this for you. This is like a gift to future you or automate your withdrawals from your company. Something that just saves you a little bit of time and something you don't have to think about. So those are my top three automations that I recently implemented. And honestly, if I could have gone back in time and told younger me to start doing these earlier, I definitely would have because it just, it saved me time. It's increased my financial savings. It's all the good things that you really want in an automation. But I will say not everything fits for everyone. So if it, you start trying it and you're like, Logan, that doesn't work for me, no problem. I just encourage you to at least try or think about parts of your business that you could automate and save you that valuable time. Because time is one of our currencies. Money is also helpful, but time is also helpful. And knowing if you would then have, what would you do with that extra time? Are you investing it back in your business? Or are you maybe spending more time with friends and family? So hopefully you can take one of those automations and add that to your process and just save you time in the long run. Again, I still use all three of those to this day. They are tried and true. And now kind of shifting gears a little bit, we talked about saving time. Now we're going to talk about growing your business. And so these are three tips that I use, again, on a weekly, monthly basis to help grow my event business. I, I recorded this at the start of the new year. I know we're gearing up onto September and a lot of people view the school year as the start of a new year. So don't worry. I know it's not January anymore, but a lot of this still applies and are things that you can apply to your process to help grow your business. Are you looking ahead to 2022 or we're already in 2022 and you want to make this the most successful year yet for your business? Well, I have three key tips that you can apply to your event business to become more productive, more efficient, and just more successful in the coming year. The first one is reach out or follow up with old clients. So people that you worked with in the past and you want to work with again, don't reach out to the ones you didn't enjoy working with, but if you liked working with them, 
reach out to them. Don't be afraid to say something, even if it's been six months or a year. I often like to try to keep in contact with my clients every couple months. I'll often think of either something that's been relevant to them in the news or an article they'd find interesting, or I work on a lot of sports and it's just, hey, I saw so-and-so won this championship. Congratulations. Do you need any assistance with XYZ upcoming event? You'll be surprised by how often I have gotten roles and jobs at events purely because I'm being proactive and staying top of mind with some of the key decision makers. So don't be afraid to reach out and start making that list now. It's already January in 2022. You still have plenty of time, but just don't think that you need to wait around and get the leads to come to you. My second pro tip here for growing your business in the new year is to create options in your proposal. So no matter what kind of event vendor you are, I'm an event producer. You could call me an event planner, event manager, project manager. I wear many hats. But essentially what I've learned is I need to give my clients options. So when I have someone, whether they're new or returning, I often will give them several options. Some people like to call it like a low, medium, high. For me, I found it's because of the world we're in today. It can be anywhere from I'm 100% virtual to I'm in person to it's just me or it's several people from my team. And that's how I've kind of laid it out. And I've, I wouldn't give them too many options is my pro tip. Make sure you give maybe three at max four, because if you give too many options, it can be overwhelming. So cut it down to those three and then come prepared to your meeting where you're going over your proposal or when you, it's, you email them or submit it to them. Make sure you're kind of highlighting which one based on your conversations you think is the best fit for them because that helps guide, okay, this is what you think I need, but let me look through your options and see what I need. I have found this has really helped me not just upsell some clients, but really focus in on what is included when they are hiring me for that certain position. And my third and final pro tip for growing your business in the new year is if you have not already done so, add a virtual events to your event toolkit. I kid you not when I say that I literally doubled my revenue as a business between 2019, pre-pandemic, and 2021, purely because I added virtual events to my skill set. I can do in-person events, I can also do virtual, and then that translates into understanding what you need for hybrid. And it's okay if you've been hesitant, you've been scared to jump into it. There are several benefits to doing virtual events. One, you can do them anywhere. You really just need a good Wi-Fi connection. I did a couple events when I was traveling and not at home, but I was able to still execute those events for clients because again, all I needed was a good Wi-Fi connection. It helped save me money because I wasn't paying for hotels or flights or any of the other miscellaneous expenses that come up when you are physically traveling to a place. I think it's pretty cool, especially when I had some events that started very early my time that I could just wake up and go to my desk and I was ready to execute that event. It also expands your reach. You are someone when you do virtual events that you don't have to just work with clients who are geographically located in your region. You can work with clients anywhere. Same goes for working with other event pros and other vendors. You're not stuck with just the ones that you know locally. You're able to expand it. I now have a virtual event team, producers, other people that I hire for different events that are literally spread out all over the country, which is pretty cool. And then the last one is really, it helps save your body. You can save your health. Your, I know my feet used to hurt all the time when I'm on site. I do love it now when I'm back on site and I get all my steps in. But again, we're still in a, light, a world where COVID exists and it's a way to also reduce that risk where you're not exposing yourself to people or large groups if you don't need to, but you're still able to do what you love of bringing people together. 
So if you've been hesitant about adding virtual events to, to your toolkit, fear not. I have so many videos on this channel you can watch about virtual events. I'm also going to be hosting a mastermind kind of workshop, several week workshop in January so that if you've been hesitant, you can learn what I know about virtual events and apply it to your business. And I promise you it's going to do nothing but increase your revenue, increase your flexibility, all those things that we love to hear as event professionals. And my fourth and final little small business corner chat for you here is going to be all about how you should have a solo retreat day. And I will let past me who recorded this video talk more in depth about it. But again, I promise this is something that I am gearing up and planning for for the fall. It's something that Mary and I have applied to the podcast. So hear me out. It might sound like a lot, but I promise it's going to be worth your time. Are you an entrepreneur or a business owner and you are just feel like you're constantly busy and you don't have time to think about the long-term strategy for your company? Well, I have the solution for you and I will just say three words and then you should stick around to learn why you should do this, but you should do a solo retreat day. Solo retreat day. I'm going to break it down more, I promise, about exactly why that was so important and such a game changer for me as a business owner. All right, so maybe your ears perked up at the start of this when I said solo retreat day and you're thinking, Logan, a spa day would be great. Something else that is a currency to a business owner is your time. Your time is money. And one of the things we can't get back as business owners is time. I often joke I wish I could clone myself, but this was something that I did for my podcast with my co-host Mary we carved out a day. We did it, called it a podcast retreat day. And we sat down and actually did all of these things that we've been talking about doing. We got time to strategize and we just gave ourselves time. And I walked away from that exercise going, why had I not done that in my business? Now, why is it so important? Because you're carving out time to think deeper about strategy, about what you want as a business owner, or maybe what your customers want if you're trying to listen to them and figure out how to grow your business. But the key is you need to carve out your day. So the way I did this is I blocked my entire day off, did not take any meetings, told people I was essentially out of the office, but you need to block the time off so that you can have those deeper strategy thoughts. Now that you've blocked the time, one of the things I did was figure out where it feels best for you to do these deeper thoughts. Are you someone who works really well from home? Are you someone who wants to do it in an exotic location? When my co-host and I did it, we for the podcast, we just did it in a co-working space and it was fun because it was a different place for me to work. When I did this for my business, I actually did it when I was home at the holidays in Philadelphia. But instead of doing it at my family's house, I actually rented a hotel room in downtown Philadelphia for the night and went with all my office supplies with the goal of just having me time to think about my business. And one of the things that was helpful as I led up to this retreat day was I started to take a note on my phone or wherever you take notes of just kind of like big strategy things, like what I wish I had time for. And this could be everything from... Like, what did I like from the past year? What didn't I like? What do I want more of? Do I like how I spent my time? That was huge for me. And I'm a solo entrepreneur. I can imagine this if you were someone who's a boss of employees. Like, do you like how you spent your time? Did you enjoy it? Because again, for me, this was such a good exercise of realizing that I spent so much time doing the work and not really thinking about the work, if that makes sense. I was doing my business versus spending time on my business. Another thing would be look back at your financials. What projects you worked on? What clients? What product do you own that was really financially viable? How about some of the projects or products or things in your business that weren't financially viable? You might surprise yourself there. That was one of the exercises I also enjoyed because there were things that I said, oh, this project's never profitable. When I finally sat down and looked at the financials, I go, actually, some of these smaller events are actually quite profitable because I've gotten more efficient at them. Another fun exercise for that solo retreat day would be plan out your ideal year. 
for me, that looked like mapping out my events for the coming year. And this was looking back at people I'd worked with the previous year who did annual events and kind of starting to map out loosely when I think those would be, or if it was going after target big clients that I'd never worked with, or just clients I'm excited about that I wanted to work with and figuring out where their events fell in my calendar. And then my favorite part of this, and that's why I did a hotel room in Philadelphia, was you can spend a ton of time doing strategy. I think I sat there for a couple hours. I bought big post-it notes. I was putting them on the wall. I felt like I was in my own little startup. It was really fun and had fun music playing. And then I realized I need time to digest that plan. And that happened accidentally. I took like a really long shower that night, just kind of relaxed. And then the next day I got up early and went on a walk and got coffee. And it was just really interesting to see how giving myself that space and that time for these thoughts to breathe, I started coming up with more ideas and jotting them on my phone or a napkin or a piece of paper because I gave myself time to think about, okay, how do I feel about this plan that I just made? So if you're doing a retreat day, again, you can do it all in one day. I recommend a night, but whatever it is, give yourself time. Go on a walk. Just give yourself time to digest this big plan that you've come up with. If you watch my videos, you know that I love a good bonus tip. And so this is something that I did kind of based on, did it in November of last year, mainly because that was when things started to slow down. Plan to do this retreat a month or two months before you think you need this strategy. Similar to my last point about taking a break and having time to breathe and just digest your plan, it was really productive for me to do it in November because it gave me all of December to really think through, okay, okay, this is, I, I really feel really strongly about this thing I came out with, this strategy, this client, this plan I'm going ahead with. And it took away some of that pressure of feeling like I had to come away from this one day retreat with the exact plan that I was gonna implement. And something you can do with this retreat idea is honestly, if you work full time for somebody, you should do this too, because if you have an annual review coming up, say it's in June, you want to make sure you do this in April and just sit down and like map out your metrics, map out the time that you can do. And for me, the game changer of it all was honestly just changing the location and blocking my time. And it sounds hard, but I promise you, if you can take look ahead at your schedule, find a time to do this. I know this is a business practice that I just started doing last year, but is going to be a staple as I continue to grow and learn as a business owner that I honestly already have scheduled one for June and I'm ready to kind of keep it going every six months or so to have this time to check in with myself. Because so many times as business owners, I feel like we come second and sometimes our business comes first. And there's, you know, times where that's great, but I want to make sure that you're taking that time to check in with yourself. Make sure you're happy. What are you enjoying as the business owner? What's working for the business? What's not working for the business? And look at those two lists and see where things overlap. Where are those things that you don't enjoy doing that really aren't helping your business? Where are those things overlapping that you do enjoy and they're profitable for your business? And where there are those things that may be a mix of both and you should look into outsourcing or hiring someone on your team to do those things that you don't enjoy. I can't stress enough how, game, how much of a game changer this was. So I hope you have fun trying to apply this to your business or to your job. And please let me know in the comments below if you have any questions on this or if you have your own retreat idea because I'm constantly looking for new ideas and this is something that has just brought me so much joy in my life from getting to sit down and do it. I still have those post-its from that hotel room because they're helping me as I kind of say yes to projects moving forward. And that brings us to the end of the episode, folks. I hope you enjoyed this little small business corner for this week's episode. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, also at Better Events Pod. And we really appreciate you for listening. And we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. Bye, folks. Bye.